0: Hello, my name is John Hastings and welcome to the Divorce Dads podcast where I help dads recover, refocus and rebuild their lives pre and post divorce. So today we're looking at how we can help you as a father understand the breakdown of your marriage and what things in your relationship the principles may have caused the breakdown of your marriage. Yeah, you might think it was a specific incident or just a slow, uh, steady decline it could have been. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at a book called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And we'll reverse engineer this book because it's from, it's basically a practical guide from the the foremost relationship expert, which is uh, John Gottman and the Gottman Institute. So I'll read out uh, some of the parts from the book. And he's got some really interesting things to say about predicting divorce. And maybe you can look back and see your divorce or see your relationship in the past in a new light in a more in a different perspective that might help you moving forward so it's good to come to some understanding about the past because then you can learn from it and then take that into the future or you just may see certain circumstances in a completely different light or you was subconsciously uh, carrying out behaviors that you didn't even realize you was doing and this was contributing to the decline of your relationship. So let's have a look at this book. So it's uh John Gottman's Perspective. So John Gottman is an American psychological researcher and a clinician who did extensive work over four decades on divorce prediction and marital stability. He is also an award-winning speaker, author, professor uh, of, of psychology. Gottman is the founder and director of the Seattle Marital and Family Institute and a professor of psychology at the University of Washington. His previous books include The Heart of Parenting and Why Marriages Succeed or Fail. So let's take a look at this uh, book of the seven principles for making marriage work. And then we can see, okay, why didn't your marriage work? What are these core principles that maybe you was missing out on? How can you see this From a different angle? How can you better move forward? So, this is based on the findings that Gottman obtained from what he's called his love lab. Through developing this lab, he discovered he could predict with 91% accuracy which marriages will succeed and which will fail. He could predict this after watching how couples spoke and related. Sometimes he could accurately predict their success within five minutes. In this book, these findings are condensed into seven principles that can guide you towards a harmonious and long-lasting relationship. The book also attempts to debunk numerous myths about marriages and why they fail. So let's go straight into it with the truth about happy marriages. So it says, the first chapter of the book introduces John Gottman's concept of a love lab, The lab helped Gottman decipher between marriages that will succeed and those that will fail. On top of this, the lab also highlighted that the couple's therapy would not work in the long term. The reason for couples therapy being ineffective is that the essential ingredients are not tapped into. For example, in emotionally intelligent marriages, a dynamic is established where negative thoughts and feelings are kept from overwhelming the positive ones. Couples therapy does not aim to improve emotional intelligence. So we've talked about emotional intelligence in past episodes and it's extremely um important when it comes to relationships and and understanding how to thrive in them. And obviously we'll come on to the predictors for divorce. So it says how to predict divorce. When When the studied couples were in Gottman's love lab, he asked them to resolve a conflict. Findings showed it was not whether they argued, but how they argued that made the difference. Gottman offers four signs within arguments that are possible signs of potential relationship problems and divorce. He calls these four signs the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So the four horsemen are criticism, contempt, defensiveness and stonewalling so we'll go through each one of these now so it says criticism is usually the first of the horsemen to appear within a marriage complaints will inevitably arise and mistakes will happen like forgotten anniversaries or arguments about chores that said once these mistakes become criticisms the beginning the beginnings of a doomed marriage start to appear for instance, it's normal to complain about your partner for forgetting to do the dishes, but that complaint turns to criticism when you find yourself saying things like, "You forgot to do the dishes again. You're so lazy." So then, this would be a critic criticism. Think of it in your relationship. In your in the past, was was this a part of the <clears throat> behavior? Was you critical towards your partner? Or were they very critical with you? It's you know this is a time for radical honesty, truth. You know we don't if we we can have unconditional love for ourselves, we can take on this truth and understanding, and not just be um, weighed down with guilt and shame and thinking about the past of what we could have, should have, would have done, because it's gone you have to just move forwards. You have to move forwards. You can't change the past. You can just learn and uh, soldier on. So um, the second one would be, so we've got criticism first. The second one would be contempt. If criticism is left untreated, it can turn into contempt. Contempt involves mocking behavior and expressions of of disgust designed to make your spouse feel useless or small. So who was contemptuous in your relationship? Can you think of any examples? Is was, was you the one who was a bit contemptuous with your ex-wife? Is she very contemptuous about what you're doing in your world, in your life? Because uh, these are the signs, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. This is the predictor for divorce. So following on from the criticism and the contempt, we have thirdly, defensiveness. So if your partner is consistently showing you contempt, defensiveness can arise. If a criticizing partner scoffs at your spending habits, you may reply, I don't spend that much. I know many people who spend more than I do. The defensiveness won't solve any problems and will eventually turn into the fourth horseman, which is stonewalling. So, stonewalling is when a partner has received so much criticism and contempt that they detach themselves from conversation. Subsequently, they respond with phrases like, uh, sure, they will even avoid face-to-face interaction to avoid their partner. So, you should be looking out for these signs and seeking proper help if you're in a relationship, but obviously we're talking now to dads that are going through um, divorce or they're on the other end of divorce. So it's learning about these concepts for the future and just understanding your behaviors and and how the dynamics of your relationship evolved and really starting to look back at that relationship and say, yeah, maybe I was a little bit like this or she, she was quite like this with me. I was stonewalling her. There was defensiveness, contempt, criticism, and this spiraled out of control. We didn't even know these things existed. And obviously, it didn't work. Things didn't work. So if we reverse engineer those seven principles, so that that was the first part, which is a, those four concepts of the four horsemen. And then we'll go on to these seven principles for making marriage work. So I know, obviously, your marriage is not worked. It's super painful. I get it. but. Let's look at some of the principles that they're talking about so we can reverse engineer them to understand why it didn't work and see how we can improve for the future. So it says, principle one, enhance your love maps. Like the second law of thermodynamics, which says that in closed energy systems, things tend to run down and get less orderly. The same seems to be true of closed relationships like marriages my guess is that if you do nothing to make things get better in your marriage but do but do not do anything wrong the marriage will still tend to get worse over time to maintain a balanced emotional ecology you need to make an effort think about your spouse during the day think about how to make a good thing even better and act so Is that something you was doing before? Is that something your partner was doing? It's easy over a long period of time, the longer you're with a partner, to just get super complacent. Um, You take them for granted. You take each other for granted and things can deteriorate. So it says, couples that know everything about the other person have what Gottman considers a detailed love map. A road map tells you how to get to your destination. A love map shows you how to know and love your partner. The more detailed the map, the stronger the love. The author tells us the story of Rory and Lisa, a couple who became distant from each other over the years. Rory, a pediatrician, ran an intensive care unit for babies. He had several stresses that came with his work. He would even stay overnight at the hospital, making for a strong work life by a rocky home life. Rory spent so little time at home that he didn't even know the family's dog's name. His love map was sparse and he was missing critical details that would strengthen his home life and marriage. Couples who take the time to establish a detailed love map are much better prepared to sh- for stress and conflict when they arise. For instance, a newborn baby can drastically change the dynamics of a relationship and can change a partner's aspirations and life philosophies. Gottman explains that studies suggest 67% of couples experience dissatisfaction in their relationship after the arrival of a new baby. The remaining 33% had detailed love maps that prevented them from losing their way. The lesson here is that the more you know and understand about your spouse, the easier it is to stay connected despite life's challenges. It's also important to remember that love maps never stay the same. Just as a baby can change the relationship's dynamic, a baby can also alter a, parent's, a partner's love map. Take the example of Maggie and Ken, who quickly jumped into marriage and started a family. Despite their brief relationship, they understood the ins and outs of one another, their fears, hopes, and dreams. At the time of their marriage, Maggie was dedicated to her career as a computer scientist. Once Maggie gave birth to her daughter, she put aside her career to stay at home and take care of her child with new priorities Maggie's love map changed and Ken had to realign his own to stay on the same path as Maggie so that was principle 1 knowing the love maps you know this is not a time for you to, to you know i know regret can sometimes kick in when you're hearing these things but just see it as see it as understanding i think instead of it just seeming like a a mess of things and you don't understand where it went wrong or exactly what happened, you can start to piece together um, slowly what was going on, what went wrong and what you can learn from it because you'll feel a lot better, trust me, moving forward. So principle two, nurture your fondness and admiration. Says, I found 94% of the time that couples who put a positive spin on their marriage's history are likely to have a happy future as well. When happy memories are distorted, it's a sign that their marriage needs help. Gottman provides the examples of Rory and Lisa again to explain how you can nurture your fondness and admiration. Due to their struggles, Rory and Lisa decided to see a counselor while they thought all while While they thought all hope was lost, they were then asked to recall the early moments of their relationship. This exercise made them discover a glimmer of hope that they realized they still had some fondness and admiration for one another. If a couple can look past their struggles and still speak fondly of early memories, the relationship is still salvageable. If the couple's memories are negative and distorted, then the marriage needs some help. With Rory, the key to making the relationship thrive was to figure out how to regain his past feelings. So he changed his work schedule, trained someone to assist him at the hospital, and made sure he was home for dinner nightly. Fondness and admiration are fragile. That said, if you can remind yourself of your spouse's positive qualities, you can keep your marriage above water. Simply assess your relationship by determining what you think of your spouse while they are away. Next, list three characteristics that describe your spouse for each one. Recall an incident that shows that characteristic in action. You can share this list with your spouse and communicate why you value those traits. You can do this as often as you like and choose different characteristics each time. So again, you maybe didn't do this in your relationship. I certainly didn't when I was going through uh, my relationship. And then obviously I got divorced from it. I wasn't clued up on relationships. You know, my mum and dad split up when I was young. I didn't have good role models when it came to relationships. And you're just figuring things out as you go along. You know, you're trying your best. There's no regrets, but you live and you learn in these cases. And this is a great time for reflection. It's a great time to understand yourself. It's a great time to learn about relationships and what potentially you can do in the future and what went wrong in the past. So you don't have to hold such resentment. You can see it in principles, what's happening. So principle three, turn towards each other instead of away. It says here, instead of expensive gifts, the small everyday mundane exchanges are what keep romance and passion alive. As humans, we often make bids for our partner's attention, support, humor, and affection. Your partner will respond to these bids by either turning towards or away from you. Those who turn towards their partner tend to have higher satisfaction in their relationship and sex life. So take a moment to pause and turn towards your partner at the end of the day when they want to unload their stresses. If you do this, you'll likely have a more successful marriage. Turning towards your partner can include many small gestures, Perhaps you can check in on your partner during their lunch break or give them a quick call on your way home from work. These small gestures which can which can turn into a habit should never take him, should never be taken for granted. Remember these tiny moments of gratitude and appreciation for your partner are going to help you massively. The more you turn towards each other, the more you invest in your emotional bank. As you fill up your emotional bank with positive experiences, you build a cushion to help maintain your positivity during times of conflict. If you do this, you can afford to lose more than other couples. To help build your emotional bank, keep a mental account of your emotional connections with your partner. You can certainly keep a physical account as well. Give yourself a point each time you turn towards your partner and take a point away every time you turn away. It's important to avoid turning this physical account into a competition. Instead, you should simply focus on what you can do for your marriage, not what you, not, and not what your spouse is or isn't doing. So, yeah, this is obviously very, very important part of, uh, not your, it's an important part of your relationship, not decaying to a point where you get to the divorce stage, but we're past that. We're in the understanding phase. Okay. Principle four of this, let your partner influence you. I don't know if you've done this in the past, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. So it says thus the critical dimension in understanding whether a marriage will work or not becomes the extent to which the male can accept the influence of the woman he loves and become socialized in an emotional communication. Okay, let's have a look and see what this is about. Marriages where partners value one another equally and allow one another to influence their decisions turn out to be happier and more successful. For instance, one study revealed that when wives express negativity, the typically Uh, they typically de-escalate the situation. On the other hand, when men express negativity, it often escalates the situation. The reason for this difference is that men often use the four horsemen in an argument. So men, remember the four horsemen that we just talked about, you know, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling. Is this part of you that you didn't even know about? Think about it think about it not just in your relationships um, with your ex but is this part of you in the relationships with your children is this how you act at work you might just be you might not have had a clue that you was doing it but you can start to recognize it in yourself and see what the outcomes are in your relationships when you act in this way So it says, marriages where partners accept each other's influence see success because they understand how to compromise and compromise and share their power. Research has suggested women are more emotionally intelligent than men. This research also suggests that men who honor, respect, and recognize their wives' intellectual strengths are more likely to listen to them. Okay, very, very interesting. What do you think about that so far? Is this something you can resonate with? Uh, I definitely, there's definitely parts of that, that I can see, um, were within my marriage at the time, which if I would have known and was conscious of, maybe we could have worked in it on, on it in a different way, potentially, but everything happens for a reason in my view. And, This is part of your journey and part of your growth really. So principle five, solve your solvable problems. Most marital arguments cannot be resolved. This is what it says. Couples spend year after year trying to change each other's mind, but it can't be done. This is because most of their disagreements are rooted in fundamental differences of lifestyle, personality, or values. By fighting over these differences, all they succeed in doing is wasting their time and harming their marriage. Conflicts arise in every marriage. Marriage involves the merging of two unique individuals. So it is unrealistic to think that spouses will agree in all situations. There are two types of conflicts in every marriage. Those that can be resolved and those that are perpetual or ongoing conflicts. 69% 69% of marital conflicts fall under the perpetual or ongoing character category. The five main ongoing conflicts are one partner wanting a baby and the other not being ready, one partner wants sex more frequently than the other, one partner rarely does the chores until the other nags them, one partner has a different faith than the other and both want to raise the children in their faith. One partner believes the other is too critical of the children. Do you resonate? Can you look back at your marriage? Can you see this? Can you see potentially where we can learn, grow and improve from the future with this in in future relationships. Despite these conflicts, couples can remain happy if they have found a way that works for them to deal with the differences. Sometimes it only takes bringing up the conversation calmly and paying attention to the physical signs to overcome the conflicts within a marriage. Pay attention to your facial expressions, gestures and tone of voice and make sure they are appropriate throughout the conversation. For instance, if your wife is in tears, don't continue to raise your voice at her. Instead, keep calm and soften your tone. The model for resolving conflicts simply begins with softening your startup. A soft startup allows your partner to accept your influence and the conversation is more likely to be successful. Some ways to soften your startup are avoiding blame, making I statements, not you statements, avoiding judgment, being clear, polite and appreciative, laying everything out rather than storing things up inside. Look, I think everybody can resonate with these type of things and see the mistakes, the behavioral mistakes. Maybe you've never been modeled positive relationships. You know, maybe what you think is a positive relationship wasn't it might have been dysfunctional and you've carried on these type of patterns maybe you've got some unresolved traumas that are not working for you maybe you've never learned about communication styles and uh, relationships or understanding human behavior psychology and this is a, probably a good time to start because you got your whole life left to live and trust me emotions are very temporary they can sting like hell. It can really hurt, but there's so much potential here to learn, grow, and live a really good life. So we'll go on to principle six, which is overcome gridlock. Perpetual conflicts can feel like a gridlock in which neither spouse can see their partner's point of view. You may feel caged because you and your partner have the same argument over and over again. The goal is to be open and talk about the problem, not necessarily solve it. It may be an unsolvable problem. Crucially, you can learn to live with it by communicating with one another. To overcome a gridlock, you must both recognize that gridlock occurs when one or both of your dreams are not being respected. When you feel respected, it's easier to compromise. Gottman offers the example of Malcolm and Shelley to explain this point. Shelley wants to get a degree while Malcolm wants to quit his job and start his own business. Their dreams are different. Despite this, as a happy couple, they discuss their dreams and come to an agreeable compromise. Conversely, couples who don't appreciate the importance of supporting their partner's dreams will find themselves gridlocked with no end in sight. The point is that neurosis neuroses don't have to ruin a marriage if you can accommodate each other's crazy side and handle it with caring, affection, and respect, your marriage can thrive, Gottman says. How does that resonate with you? Does that make sense? Can you see that in your life? Were you going in slightly different different directions? Were you accommodating each other's dreams for the future? Because your relationship is always it's always constantly evolving isn't it and you're sort of growing together or you're growing apart and maybe it's there's ebbs and flows to it but it's when all of these principles combine in a negative way that you can see it's pretty much the end of the road and you can't move forwards and and not understanding it would be even more difficult it is even more difficult if you don't understand it so Last but not least, principle seven, create shared meaning. The culture Gottman des- describes in his book is the culture you and your spouse create within your marriage. Each couple and family create their own microculture with their own customs, rituals, and traditions. This doesn't mean that you have to agree on everything, but you must be willing to grow and develop as you create your culture. Another example used by Gottman is that of Kevin and Helen, this couple entered marriage wanting to have independent careers, interests, and social circles. Due to their independence, Helen recognized her insufficient connection with her husband. She simply, she simply felt like a roommate as they lived separate lives. So they decided to sit down together and discuss their past. They shared their childhood experiences and their family values with one another. Through the conversation, Kevin and Helen could connect on a new level and and find some common ground to build their shared meaning. To help create shared meaning, there are rituals that you must create that allow you and your spouse to connect. A simple phone call at lunch can be a small ritual that you adopt to show your spouse that you are thinking of them. Additionally, the roles we play significantly affect how we view one another and the world. You may have an idea of the role you wish to play in marriage. Despite this, you and your spouse must communicate those roles effectively to be happy. For instance, Ian and Hillary agreed the husband should be the protector and provider while the wife should take on the nurturer role. In contrast, Chloe and Evan viewed their marriage in a more uh, equal way by both supporting each other emotionally and financially. Whatever roles and rituals you and your partner adopt, each spouse needs to agree with the, within the chosen rules and rituals. Through compromise and communication, you can enjoy um, a happy marriage potentially in the future. So that was it, guys. That was the seven principles. So, you know, this, can, this podcast, this episode might be hurtful, it might bring up some truths. It might shine light on some realities of things that you was doing or you were both doing in the relationship that you wasn't really aware of. And that can be quite painful. But this is not about living in regret, like I said. This is about deep understanding, understanding yourself, understanding dynamics of relationships, and seeing how you can improve as a person, become a better version of yourself, and just create better relationships across the board, a better relationship with your children, a better relationship with your ex, and really fundamentally a better relationship with yourself is going to be the most important thing. So if you like uh, the podcast and you enjoyed the episode, you can go over to John Hastings' Dot info slash lessons. Well, I'll give you the five most important lessons for dad's pre and post divorce. This is a private 30 minute podcast where I go through these five most important lessons, and you also get the PDF that goes with it. So go over to John Hastings.info slash lessons and you can pick that up there. So there we go. I hope you have um, a productive day. If you're in a hole, it's okay to feel bad. You know, feel, feel the feelings. They will pass, but just sit with them and uh, reach out. You can reach out to me. There's look online, there's many different places you can reach out, but it can be a painful time this time pre and post divorce is extremely difficult for guys. So don't feel like you're alone in this. You're really not. You're really not. So you take care of yourself and I will see you at the next episode. Bye.